In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Well, as you can hear, we've only just managed to get hold of him. He's a busy man, travelling the country, fixing everything that is wrong in the UK. So he's up in York on his way back from York. Who knows? If you want to see what Paul Brown's up to, the only way to track him down is Instagram. So um, go give that man a follow. Um, He's blessed us with the intro, um, but there is internet difficulties as he's in transit so uh if we lose him we do appreciate his time ian right right, right. how are you doing i'm i'm good there there used to be a tv show back here in the states it was called where in the world is carmen san diego and i feel like paul is just the british version of this he's like where's waldo meets where in the world is carmen san diego for those that are listening at home because we don't do video paul is rocking a brown starter jacket on a train traveling through the countryside of England. If it doesn't get more Paul Brown than that, I don't think it's possible to be more Paul Brown. He's cheesing. He's grinning ear to ear, smiling with this beautiful brown starter coat on. And it's not even a shy one. It is the bright orange. Um, He's literally the entire sun. Jack, Nathan Seguro gave you a shout yesterday. It was big, very big. See, like there's the humbleness. He he instantly wants to deflect away from all the attention he's getting, even though he's a giant orange highlighter walking through the country of England. He instantly wants to give Jack the praise that the big Z Nathan Zagura gave Jack, and even spelled out your name for those at home. Some really kind words as well. Thank you to that man. And I didn't write. Yeah, him he followed the chips. script I wrote up pretty nicely. Like when I gave him that script and I said, "Here's what to say," he followed it pretty nicely. So nice job, Z. Jack, the question is, are you going to go on the show? I think you should. I'd love to go on. I'd 100% make sure that happens, but um, who knows? We'll find out. Maybe one time. Maybe next off-season. I, I reckon they'll probably get me back next off-season. Get me back. Get me on. I've not even been on. I weren't on. They were just randomly, unannounced, just uh, praising me. Not Andrew Barry is going to come down and be like, squash this shit. There's no way we're having him on there. State secrets stay in-house, and especially if they're across the pond. I'm going to... You're going to get shut down. Um, no, so go check it out. I've tweeted out the video. You can find it there. You don't have to watch the whole of CBD all two hours just to find out where where I was in it. But um, no, thanks to those guys. Um, and hey, I wouldn't be there without this podcast because uh, it started with this podcast. Then it was a bit of writing at the Dogland. Then it was a bit of the OBR. Um, and hey, three years ago, I was amazed when anyone else wanted to mention my name on their podcast, let alone... Uh, do anything beyond that you you had to go through your trials and tribulations there's no doubt about it but i think it goes to show jack that you know when it comes to social media when it comes to the availability of content right you have to have uniqueness and i say this to anyone who's creating content right you have to offer something that is unique a unique perspective you know and i think when you look at whether it's the free agency stuff whether it's the you know 
contracts, the salary cap, like this is things that other people don't really want to delve into. So you were able to carve out a niche that makes it unique. You know, this is a guy who can tell you, these are the Browns targets in these rounds. And I've never watched an ounce of college football tape, right? Because when you recognize patterns and data, the world we live in, you know, whether it's AI or all this other stuff, like you have to be able to understand what it is you're seeing. And it's not just what my opinion is, you know, like I could look at Cedric Tillman and be like, wow, that guy would really fit on the Browns. And you're like, well, he's six foot three, 220 pounds and has a RAS score of 8.8. That does fit within the guardrails. So when you marry the principles of data and brain, you know, in terms of your football brain, not like overall brain, but like football brain, you will start developing these patterns and identifying these as what's led you over, you know, the time. And Anybody who has criticisms and trust me, I see you get them all the time. Paul does as well. It's because most people just don't understand it. And they also really just, they always want to criticize the person. You know, there's a famous uh, poem. It's actually by Teddy Roosevelt. It's called man in the arena. And if you don't know it, I'd look it up. Basically it talks about the courage of people who are willing to put themselves in the arena to fight. And then the lack of courage, the people on the outside want to say, you know, these restructures going on and everybody has an opinion and you're wrong, Jack, and you don't know anything. It's like, well, those are the people not in the arena. You know, Jack's one of the few in the arena fighting the bulls, so to say, saying, hey, this is the content I'm going to produce. So that's that's my uh, compliment. You can bookmark that, make it your ringtone, your voicemail, and put it on your if you like. But no, it is 100% right, the the point you made. If, if you want to write content and you want to do something browns, just write in pieces going, the Browns have signed this guy, the Browns have signed that guy, the Browns have waived this guy. That, that's not, it's not what people want. You, you've got to provide something. If you wanted to say, hey, I am going to scout O-line prospects. All I'm going to do is scout O-line prospects in the draft. None other positions, just O-line. There is a great route where you could have a, something where everyone wants to go to your content. So it's find out what you want to do. Hey, if you wanted to be the go-to person on punting in the NFL, right? I bet there would be people that are like, I want to know that piece of content. Don't you come into my lane. The kicker kingdom is off limits. Okay. But no, there's the Brandon Thorne. So to save the Browns, you're right. That's what the idea is. But yeah. Uh, and to your point, Jack, there was something significant that happened in Brown's Twitter land or in Brown's land yesterday, not even Twitter land. So, the Browns do a trade, and you're correct. Within three or four minutes, 25 different Browns-related accounts tweeted out the exact same thing, right? So people are going to look at Rappaport, Pelissero, you know, Mary Kay Cabot. You know, I, I'm blocked, but Daryl Ryder. So if you're a Browns content creator that's literally just regurgitating that the Browns made a trade with the Cardinals for Josh Dobbs, you're not going to get the same footprint as somebody like Ian Rappaport. That's just the way it is because that trade happened and I saw it 30 times on my timeline. It's like, okay, like I get it. The Browns traded Josh Dobbs. So uh, Jack, let's talk about the trade of the rocket scientist, Josh Dobbs. So it's one that happier. And I'd said we'd announced, they'd announced like three hours earlier that he was going to be the QB two. We, we can debate whether that was actually case. I, I think they would have probably kept him as the QB2. Um, there's obviously all the ways, the element of gamesmanship of maybe they're already in talks and said, hey, we're, we're not going to cut him. You can trade for him or he's staying as our two. Um, and I tweeted out when Stefanski made the comments of like, hey, I think this is the right move. Keep him to the buy. If someone offers a trade before then, happily, but let, let's no, we've got something with DTR before we panic and cut somebody or 
make Dobbs the three. Um, and the, the trade's good. Provided nothing changes with the contract, and we don't know yet because we won't see that information yet. They eat half a million of dead cap. One and a half million goes on to the um, Cardinals. People are like, woo, they've cleared one and a half mil. But it's like, hey, at the end of the day, I, I take it more as, hey, the signing and movement of Dobbs caused half a million of dead cap rather than what you've gained. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but it frees up a roster spot because they also waived Kellen Mond and then pulled back the paperwork before the 4 p.m. deadline, which I never knew you could do. All right, Jack, here's my theory, okay? Because I think if I'm looking at this, this is completely my opinion. The Cardinals had told the Browns, thanks, but no thanks. They were going to pull somebody else. They were going to trade somebody other than Josh Dobbs. So the Browns said, okay, they released Kevin Mond. Stefanski hits the media and says he's going to be our QB too. I think that the Cardinals likely were trying to get somebody else and then it fell through and then they called up Andrew the Bear and they're like, AB, hey, good buddy, old pal. Dobbs still available? Uh, this other trade fell through and i think that's why it kind of looked like the browns hours earlier were like hey he's our qb2 my guess is the trade fell apart arizona said we're going to go with somebody else something happened there and they came back to the table to get dobbs that's probably what happened if i'm guessing because you wouldn't have publicly released mond and done all that other things if you knew this trade was as imminent as we now know it seemed to have been so they obviously bring mond back and say, hey, you're going to play this week. Like, we, didn't, you probably didn't even get packed up out of Cleveland. So, I, like I said, I bet you any money, something else fell through and Arizona came running back. And there is nothing regarding this trade that infuriates me more than when I read on Twitter, people who know better tweeting out, Brown's got a fifth for Josh Dobbs. I'm like, on, on, on didn't what? Dove say it was a fourth at one point too? Did someone say that? I think Dove Kleinman said it, Brown's traded it and got a fourth, I think. And then it came out that it was a fifth swap. Yeah, it's a fifth and it's the Eagles and it's a swap. And it would be a bit like saying, oh, we gave up pick 42 for Elijah Moore. No, we didn't. We got Cedric Tillman and Elijah Moore for pick 42. And it's like, you can't just start cutting parts out of the trade and go, oh, Browns only gave up one first round pick for Deshaun Watson. This year. Context matters. Yeah, you've Context got to take matters. the whole package. And I said instantly, um, I would much rather have had their seventh round pick than any fifth in a pick swap. Um, and we find out it's actually the Eagles' fifth, so it's going to be late in the fifth round. But effectively, if we look at the trade value chart, and I always stick to the Fitzberger, Spielberger, Fitzgerald, Fitzpatrick. There it is. Chart, which is from the guys over the cap, Brad's now at PFF. But that one is very much how the Browns thought process goes and they have really pushed for pick swaps and the Cardinals are a smart front office that's why they want a pick swap as well they don't want to lose assets in a trade like this but if you look at the trade value chart it's 93% of the final pick in the draft is what the Browns got back it as net value for Josh Dobbs so less than the final pick of the draft which is fine I've got no issue it's the right trade to make but my point still stands that I would much rather have a seventh round pick and it would have probably been the top of the seventh round versus a pick swap. Um, and when people go, oh, seventh round picks, they don't matter. I don't really care about them. So, hey, so we can cut Diabate, we can cut Hickman because 
those sort of guys are guys we could have taken in the seventh and there is still value in the sixth and seventh round of drafts and I would much rather have had an extra pick and we get maybe a running back um, which we desperately need on the roster and there is a hole and we weren't able to go out and get the um, car set because there is a restriction on how much signing bonus money you can hand out to UDFAs you can hand out lots more guarantees but signing bonus money is limited I believe um, so yeah I'd, I would have the seventh but I don't think the Cardinals are probably offering that so that's fine all right Jack I got two questions for you first question will Josh Dobbs be back in Cleveland by week 17 no I expect him to be the backup for the whole season just because Drew Petsig's there um, it makes okay. sense so you don't think we're going to do the Tennessee uh, shuffle again, right? No, I, I think I think he will do a season there. Okay. Second question. Is this the last trade the Browns make? No, I've got my eyes on Nick Harris. For me, he's the most logical candidate um, to get traded. Um, I don't know the Vikings center situation. I'd have a look at the Colts as well. Ready? Driving yesterday, I had a bunch of meetings. I'm around trying to make money to you know, pay the bills here. Listening to a little bears sports talk radio. You know, the Browns have, uh, cause everybody was mad that the bears didn't go out and sign Ethan Pochich. So, so there was a, a discussion on Chicago sports talk radio because so Tevin Jenkins, who's there, they took him. He was an Oklahoma state top pick out of, uh, they were going to put him at tackle. He had a bad back. They moved him to guard where he was very effective. He got hurt. So now what they're in essence doing is they're trying to do an interior O-line shuffle where they're moving Cody Whitehair, their center out to guard. And then they're bringing in Lucas Patrick, who was with the Packers. He's coming in to play center. So Nick Harris's name actually came up because they obviously couldn't sign Pochich. So they were like, well, the Browns starter last year was this guy, Nick Harris. And so people, they started talking about Nick Harris. So it's, it was on like notable Chicago radio, not like, bears Twitter type of radio. So I would almost wonder if there's maybe some discussions within the Bronx. Cause I'm going to tell you right now the bears front office around here leaks like a sieve. <laughs> there's not a lot that happens that don't everybody knows about. So just another team to put on the radar. I would put the bears. Cause like I said, it's being talked about out here with the injury to Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair moving Lucas Patrick coming into center. It is something that I would look at where they maybe say, you know what, let's just go get somebody who actually plays center. So just another team to look at. That's a great shout. One to keep on iron. So I, I like that. Um, All right. Yeah, so you think the Browns make one trade, Nick Harris, who is another candidate outside of Nick Harris? I struggle to really see anyone beyond that. Cause is, I, is Wyatt Teller off the trading block in your eyes? So I think that was one we heard around the trade deadline that they were looking around trading. I think that was where that discussion was. I don't think that's been a discussion beyond that. I think if they would have traded him, then make the move then. And Will Hernandez is a name that actually has played phenomenally well in preseason. And it is preseason, so I take it with a pinch of salt. But I think they would have signed the replacement in free agency. So the trade had to happen then. I don't think they're now looking at Michael Dunn would be the natural replacement to step up. In a year's time, Michael Dunn does really well. That could be an option of a draft pick versus Michael Dunn for who starts at right guard. Well, you know, they've also had other guys come in, you know, Wes Martin's played well, you know, Tyrone Wheatley's another guy on offensive line that's been playing well. So you're starting to see them develop some depth along that O-line, right? So we've talked about it. You've talked about it. 
carrying a roster full of $10 million plus linemen is going to be very difficult. And obviously the Browns are going into an off season now where, and I'm talking about now 2024 off season, right? Where Jedrick Wills kind of becomes the, the name that everybody's talking about. Jack Conklin's guaranteed money runs, I think this year and next year, if I'm not mistaken. So all the people that were ready to to put Dewan Jones in there right away, I would say you're likely probably talking about him being the backup in 2024 projected starter 2025. So you're two years out on him, which is perfectly fine with me because like, I like what I see from Dewan. I like his length, you know, Brian Baldinger made some great points. There's a difference when you're going up against, you know, Jimmy Bufootslick in the preseason, even though people want to argue with me that Bryce Huff is a starting uh, defensive end in the league and he's DN number five for the Jets. Um, Dewan Jones hasn't faced TJ Watt, right? So let's just settle down on pumping the brakes of easily replacing an all pro right tackle for a fourth round rookie who's had love of football commitments and weight issues. Let's pump the brakes. The interesting part there is, well, Conklin's probably going to get injured. I can't see him playing. 34 regular season games over the next two years. So we're naturally going to see little snippets of Dewan Jones. And I think that's useful for player development. It's risky when you're Nick Harris. We saw one game of him at center and Hey, it was really good, but you and I saw it live, baby. Best Christmas day ever. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, Jack, if jumbo packages, you know, when they bring in that sixth offensive lineman, if I'm going to run right, baby, stick Conklin and Dewan Jones next to each other on that side and let's go. Let's power it forward. So QB sneak, just put him, put, give him the ball. And I just want to see someone stop him Do you and, think and let him re- build a run up as well. Oh, murder somebody. <laughs> so you need to go back and look on YouTube. I'm sure there's video of it. Uh, William, the fridge, uh, Perry. Uh, they like, literally oh, called him the fridge. Oh, did he? So, yeah, look at him. He was a ball carrier. It's quite hilarious. But, you know, so I think we're starting to see the roster take shape, right? We're starting to see, obviously, now. Now, also, let's just, I want to get this out there. For all the people saying now, I told you so on DTR. No, you did not. Okay. Yes, he played in the Pac-12, and he was very good against Pac-12 defenses. I get it. He was a fifth-round pick. I was like, we knew Dorian Thompson-Robinson was going to be this good. and No, you didn't. That's why he went in the fifth round. That's why nobody talked about him until the first preseason game. Because you were like, eh, he's a, he's a nice player. You know, he's good in college. We've seen a hundred times where a productive college quarterback comes into the NFL and stinks. At this point, DTR has done exactly what has been asked of him, and that is compete and compete well against the guys that are lined up across from him. He has done absolutely everything within his power to earn that right to fight for the backup quarterback job. Okay, I know Owen and I were were fans of the DTR1 kind of joke, but let the man progress. Let him learn. Pump the brakes. You didn't get some future steal of the draft after a Hall of Fame game. Just tamper down the expectations. Let the guy develop. Let Alex Van Pelt work with him. He went in the fifth round for a reason. He's got a nice arm. He does some smart things. He does some really stupid things with the ball as well. I've watched enough of his games at UCLA to tell you, sometimes you're just going to go, what in the heck? There's a couple throws in the preseason he's made that should have been picked where they weren't. And in an NFL game, those are picked. Okay, so let's just pump the brakes. Obviously, I'm not a huge personal fan of Deshaun Watson, but there's no there's no competition between the two of them. Just ease off the the DTR hype train. 
one thing we haven't touched on the restructures and i think it's only right at the end of the day lots of people do listen to this because of the salary cap and what happens there so first it was tonio's restructuring restructure and then it was like hey they'll probably do miles garrett i think i tweeted out miles garrett's next and the amount of money it was almost tongue-in-cheek and then the next day they did it um and then we saw then um david njoku so an interesting three there because the reason is you target players that are going to be here longer term to restructure um the one that makes the most sense next even though it only create two million of space is actually denzel ward rather than anyone else and the telling part is guys they haven't done these are players that have less of a long-term future where you're going this player is definitely here so Pella is leader of that clubhouse Amari Cooper Nick Chubb I do see a potential Nick Chubb extension um did you just say running back extension Jack I did uh, just because right. the market is on Jack, I'm going to need ass. you to have to confirm. You're going to have to confirm the last four digits of your social security number. So we verify this one. is in fact you, because there are people out there, troves of Browns nation across the globe that think they just heard Jack Duffin say running back extension. And I just need you to clarify for the audience. Did you Jack Duffin master of the gingers just say Nick Chubb extension? I can see a Nick Chubb extension. Oh, Brown's Power Ranger. He he's just pulled over to the side of the road. He's hyperventilating, probably because it's 100 degrees out. The heat index is like 5 billion. Adam, yes. Pay Nick Chubb can start trending again. Pay Nick Chubb by my man Brown's Power Ranger, Adam. Yeah, that market is so badly on its ass that uh, it's now possible. Buy low. It's like commercial real estate, baby. Buy low, buy low. Oh, well, you know what? I think if there's one thing that would honestly unite Browns fans, because, you know, the Twitter wars get kind of funny at times. There's not too many people out there other than you, because you are literally the only person in the original camp of don't pay Nick Chubb. <laughs> so if there is one thing that would unite Browns Twitter, it is in fact pay Nick Chubb. But Jack, I think we've we've talked about it before. And honestly, like just the, if, you've, are you going away from the restructures or no, I'm staying oh, on yeah. the restructures. You've talked about this restructure thing. We've talked about this cap rollover thing. We've talked about this now. I think this is probably our third season talking about it. I think after like the first year with Andrew Barry, you started identifying it. We started looking into it. We started talking about it. Jack, overall, average fan sitting in a pub, Paul Brown explaining why the Browns are doing the restructures to create this cap space. And what does it mean for the 2024 and 2025 season? Like ultimately, what is the goal and what is the plan? Yeah, so effectively, the reason they're restructuring now is let's just take 10 million as a nice round number. If you convert 10 million into a signing bonus and split over five years, two millions this year, two millions next year, each of the years, it all splits two million. So you create eight million of space now because you'd convert in the 10, you've still got to deal with two million now. Next year, if you roll that over, You've got six million of space because over these first two years, two and two, there's still six million that you'll pay down the line. And all it is, is effectively, it's a free loan. You're not paying any interest on it and you've allowed to create space. Because if you keep doing that every single year, it's why the Browns are spending 50 million or more a year in cash versus just the average of the NFL. So in between teams 16 and 17, sits. 50 million a year more than they're spending. That is absolutely insane when you compare that. And we're talking 
there's only like 300 million they're spending. So like 250 million, sort of the middle mark, and we're at 300. That, that is a significant amount of investment in just the 2023 team. And I've seen you tweet this. What role does Jimmy Haslam play in Brown's ownership? You know, whether it's JW, what role does Brown's ownership play in what we consider the active cash spend? It's all on the ownership. And lots of people do go out and praise Andrew Berry. But in all honesty, I'm sure there's loads of gems around the league. Look at what Andrew Berry's going to do. Yeah, I'd do that. But my cash budget is 220 million. Andrew Berry Berry's is 350 million. It's the ownership of every team is going to set cash budgets for their GMs. Um, and it is a very, very large number. And odd teams will have one year with a really big number. The Ravens have probably got it because, hey, they're paying Lamar Jackson is 80 million this year. Um, so there is teams that will have that. But to do it year on year on year is unprecedented in the level we do. And we know the Saints aren't anywhere near what Browns are doing or even the Eagles. Now, that is one thing that I've seen as a common critique that, you know, there's this concept of the Browns are kicking the can down the road, right? And then ultimately you're going to have to pay the piper. So what type of event would have to happen over, say, let's say the next five-year window where all of this soda, quote unquote, house of cards and all this active cash spend, what would have to happen to bring that house down? So there's two things that could screw it up. One is Jimmy stops spending. If Jimmy suddenly starts going, you're not having that cash budget anymore, that is going to be a painful decline as they've got big numbers and they don't have that sort of 50 million more than everyone else. And the other one is a, a, a global pandemic. Um, the Saints were high spenders and then boom, everything exploded in their face. Um, and obviously, hey, if, if you start paying a load of crap players, that's going to impact your production, but it's not going to stop you spending this money. Um, but it's effectively, as long as Jimmy Haslam doesn't get bored or pulls the plug, or there is a global pandemic and the salary cap goes down, there is zero issue. And, and roughly what the Browns are doing is every other team might go, hey, here's our cash budget. The Browns are basically going, right, what a normal team would spend in two years' time, we're going to spend that now. And that's what they're doing. And so as long as the salary cap keeps going up, because you can prorate and push these contracts back on the salary cap, you're easily able to keep spending two years in advance because of those interest-free loans. And that is the restructures and backloading contracts. So to summarize that, local Browns fans driving around the Midwest, when you see a pilot flying J gas station, pull in, fill up your tank, go in, spend a little bit money in the shop, you need to keep filling the coffers of Jimmy Haslam's pockets so he can in turn make your football team the most highest cap spent football team in the NFL. Because, you know, listen, and I'm not saying that the Haslam's are avoided criticism, right? And I think the Cavs have an owner as well that warrants criticism at times. But when it comes time that the Browns are in the AFC championship or fighting for that Super Bowl, Let's not forget that you need an owner like this who, if they're going to push the chips into the tape, you know, into the, into the center and call this, they got to have the cash to do it. We know the Haslam's have cash. It seems that they're willing to spend it on this football team. So remember that, you know, I get that fans sometimes get frustrated by some of the PR stuff that goes on, but at the end of the day, 
the old saying is put your money where your mouth is. He's doing it. So I don't foresee another pandemic. Obviously we want the cap to keep going up, but in saying that if that did happen where the cap comes down or doesn't go up, every NFL team will be affected by that. Right. So it's not just the Browns. Now the Browns will be maybe in a little bit more of an over leveraged situation where they have to get rid of an extra three or four players than a normal team would. But in the sense, it's probably not something as catastrophic as their owner going bankrupt or something like that. But, you know, it's it just, it's a, it's a different theory. So I know a lot of NFL people, they look at it and they try to justify why teams do it different, whether it's the Deshaun, the Deshaun contract, the Lamar contract, you know, everybody's trying to understand and find the, the symmetry of conversations, right? So the Browns leading that as an edge, just know when you lead the, when you lead the NFL in different types of restructures and different cap management, and you have different types of analytics, they always will come at you first, right? There'll be more people to criticize the first one. We're back to the main of the arena type of conversation where if the Browns are willing to do things that the other teams aren't to try to win, you're going to be the criticism. You know, you're going to be the point of criticism. People did it to the Patriots as well. You know, Belichick would walk the front of the line in terms of the rules, whether, you know, and sometimes he would cross them, right? Whether he'd record practice or, you know, Tom Brady would take two PSI off a ball or whatever it is, you know, you're constantly pushing the line of winning. And if the Browns are doing that in a legal sense with their salary cap, just know you don't have to go out there and fight all the wars. You know, I know a lot of times when I'm like, oh, Andrew Barry's the greatest GM. The memes are hilarious. I do say I love him. And I think his wife loves him as well. But, you know, enjoy it. Embrace it. You know, we're going to spend time obviously breaking down the roster and stuff like that. Um, Jack, is there anything of any of these guys that you're going to be looking forward to in the game on Saturday? So I'll jump into that. One last bit on just the restructures is a lot of this money is all get, getting rolled over for next year. And as I always tell people, use over the cap rather than Spotrack. The reason for that could not be clearer than what's currently on the two websites. If you go to Spotrack, they're 82, 83 million over the salary cap next year. If you go to the correct numbers that are on over the cap, they're 31 million over the salary cap next year. So over 50 million of difference is the inaccuracies on that site. So please stop using it. If you want the real numbers, you just go to Overcap. They're all there. Great, great team, great people, do loads of awesome work. So that's there. Um, but yeah, the, the thing I'm most intrigued with, because we've now got an additional roster spot by trading away Dobbs, that for me instantly went, hey, that, that's going to a running back. Um, because if we look at every year, They've had um, three, uh, sorry, four running backs on the roster, and that's not including Felton. And then they've had 3.7 were active on every game day last year. That was the average across the year. So they usually have four running backs active on game day. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I think it makes sense that we'll see another running back. That running back might not be on the roster, though. The order they run out, is going to be fascinating for me. So last game, it was Kelly, it was Felton, it was Hall, it was Wilkins, who only came late in on the end. But uh, I think it's one where we'll see a lot more of uh, Wilkins, and that can earn him a spot. And as well, who we go out and add? Is it playoff Lenny? Is it something nuts? Does Kuderil Patterson get cut and then they sign him free agency? Lots of moving pieces. 
I started on this trend last week. I started noticing with the running backs and like after watching the Eagles game, I started thinking, you know what? I wonder if they're going to try to keep four running backs because remember last year, they only kept two tight ends right off the start. And we just still don't know. Is anything that I miss anything with Harrison Bryant? If, no, no he, right? he he's very, very, very close. So I expect him all to be going. They've not even moved him to the NFI list based on reports. Okay. So it's one of those ones where they may have a position thing, but realistically we could be talking about Ford, Chubb and Felton kind of being the 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 three main backs, right? Because they all do something a little different. Ford's more like Chubb and Felton has that scat back, third down back. Wilkins may be fighting for that fourth running back position. So we might be talking about this competition for RB3. It may be a competition for RB4. So it could be one of those ones where if the Browns are trying to, you know, utilize Demetric Felton and, you know, have him in third down to tra- take a little bit out of that. Maybe you use, you know, Jerome Ford in certain applications like kick returning. You know, it's one of those ones where maybe Wilkins is a little bit better in pass pro. The Browns could utilize four running backs. I mean, if you have the offensive line producing, we know that Jordan Wilkins has gained yards in the NFL. We know that Felton can do it, right? All the yards don't have to come from number 24. Now, when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter, I want number 24 with the ball in his hands, right? So, but in that second quarter where you want to give him a breather going into halftime or something like that, that may not be a bad idea to have, you know, an extra running back. And Jack, who knows? Maybe they say we're keeping five wideouts. Maybe we're keeping six. I don't see him keeping seven. That's for sure. Yeah, seven makes no sense. They they averaged five on the active game day roster last year, and that's including Felton in that five. The idea that they're suddenly going to roll out there with seven... Seven wouldn't be active on game day, so why is the desperate need to keep him? Um, well, because people like Austin Watkins, they like the story, right? So what they do is they'll manipulate the roster to fit the outcome they want, right? So that's really what it is. It's like, all right, how do I make a roster that has Austin Watkins on it? You know, and I still am of the belief that Jakeem Grant is going to be wide receiver six. Like I said, I've said it and I've tweeted it. He does something that nobody else on the Browns roster can do. Now, in saying that, if his injury prevents him from doing the things that we've seen him do, then he will not be on the team. Right. At the end of the day, we don't really, we're not going to trust in Schwartz. He's going to be gone. Right. So the end of rounds, you know, the little bubble sweep sweeps, you know, the jet sweeps off of motion that, you know, the chiefs run often the punt return. That's what Jakeem Grant does. I mean, he's that mighty mouse five foot seven wrecking ball. You're not going to have Jordan Wilkins do that. You're not going to have Austin Watkins do that. You're not going to have Cedric Tillman do that. Like that's not what these guys do. So if you look at it and you say, okay, if the Browns are calling a jet sweep and Anthony Schwartz and Jakeem Grant aren't on the team, Jack, who's the jet sweep going to? Elijah Moore? Elijah Moore. He got tackled one time in a preseason and was almost out. Juan Jones. this is like peewee football where you have like the genetic monster of a child. And they're like, they have leagues where like the running backs can't be over 50 pounds. Like they literally set rules. They're like, you could have nobody over a weight limit to be a running back. He would, it would take him a while to get around the edge, right? All 11 guys would converge around him, but so, but um, other than that, Jack, anything else in this game you're going to be looking for? I mean, at this point, we're going to see Deshaun Watson for a hot second, and then it's likely going to go into the DTR and Kellerman show again. So, yeah, I think it's only really the, the running back is the main interest to me. There's a few little odd uh, roster bits, um, that battle for, like, safety four. Um, 
O-line 10, obviously, if Nick Harris is traded, you've still got like Wheatley, Martin, Forbes, Gossett that could all get it. Um, and then, yeah, Tankade, York, stick it over the sticks. Always mm-hmm. intriguing. I heard he was money inside yesterday. Hey, build the dome. By the way. That, by that the is way. the conclusion for this whole kicking fiasco. Build me the effing dome. I have to laugh because like I hear, you know, people in content stuff, they start talking about like kickers and ball flights and it, it is funny listening to people talk about it. Right. So, cause people are trying to analyze the rotation spin of the ball and they're like, he's kicking knuckleballs. And I'm like, okay, first of all, no, he's not. He's not kicking a knuckleball. I've gone back and I've watched a few of Cade's kicks and it's tough because the TV angles in the preseason aren't that great. So you only get like two angles of it. And it seems to me that the placement of his plant foot that Feely pointed out in, I think, last year is still haunting him a little bit because it looks like that on the balls that are tailing right, and I'm I, it's tough to see from the angle I'm seeing, but it looks like he's kicking it down further on the foot, which is causing that kind of fading thing. Now, there are kickers I know, and there's a lot of them in the NFL, you won't watch them. They purposely will do that. So, Jack, you've played soccer. You know, you know. Obviously, obviously, a lot of our audience has. When you're trying to kick a soccer ball and make it move in different directions, it will depend on where on your foot you strike it, right? If you're trying to just go with like a Ronaldo or like a messy knuckle, you kick the top of the ball and try to bend over the top of it. If you're trying to bend it like Beckham, where I want it to go right to left, I hit it with the inside of my right foot if I'm right-footed. And if I'm trying to get the ball to go the other way, Basically, what it looks like York's doing is he's putting his plant foot down. He's kicking with that outside of the ball and it's tailing. If your plant foot is too far away from the ball, what will happen is, is you're reaching. And when you reach, much like in golf, you will actually slice or you'll cut into the ball because the outside of the foot will almost bend a little bit because it doesn't stay as rigid. That's what will cause that ball to fade. Last year, he was having a problem of everything hooking to the left. There was a couple he hit that were just donk hooking to the left. What was happening is, is when he was kicking the ball on the upper part of his foot, he was hitting it high up in the ankle. Well, if you do that, it's almost like hitting it off the hosel of your golf club. It's going to have a bend it like Beckham approach to the ball. So I think basically what's happening is in practice, he's probably calm. He's collected. He's putting the plant foot down. He may even have a mark in practice. Cause remember in the NFL, you can't set something on the field. He may have a plant in practice where he's putting his foot on a spot. So be careful in a little bit of the practice reps. Cause I think what's happening is, is in the game when the process is speeding up, when the snap is back, the ball is down, the kick is away. Like, you know, to quote Jimmy Donovan, it happens faster in a game than it does in practice. So if he's getting so excited that he's missing that plant foot spot, and if he misses by a small amount, it still gets in the bar, right? If it's at 30 yards, he'll still tuck it in. But if he misses from these 45, 50, and 55, obviously the ball has a longer course in terms of trajectory to spin left or to spin right. He's not kicking knuckleballs. It's where his foot is hitting on the ball that is causing different rotations to the ball. There's your kicker kingdom breakdown. I don't know that there's a better way to end a podcast than that. I, I mean, it's just flawless execution um who knows maybe i'll make a video maybe i, I maybe i'll make a video for everyone to show kind of to see if the old man still got it maybe i'll maybe i'll kick some field goals see what i got well let, let's have a cracking weekend and then we'll be back at some point who knows when we'll work it out um 
but I'll be writing loads of articles on the OBR. So stock up, stock down the day after the game, probably either that evening or the following day, I'll have a final 53-man roster prediction. And please remember, I've written it several times before, the initial 53 will be very different, only like two, three, four maybe changes to the week one 53. If you want something to know, I've always talked in articles about the week 153. I couldn't care about the initial one. So it's that journey that we're yeah. going to go on and we'll look and reassess as we get closer to week one. Yeah, because as we know, within the first 24 or 48 hours, it changes so much. But I will say what's coming up, we're obviously going to do a little post-game recap um, at the end of the preseason, you know, kind of just see who are the guys that we'll give kind of preseason game balls to and stuff. But also there is a little rumor, Jack, that, a former Browns position coach may be coming on the podcast soon enough. So we will have to see right now, Paul's people and uh, actually just Paul's people, Jack's people and I, my people don't get involved in this, but uh, we're working to see if we can get locked down a, a former Browns position coach that I think some people might, might want to hear from a uh, very energetic spirited guy uh, who I think was a fan favorite in Cleveland. I think a lot of people really liked what he could bring to the table and who knows we'll see we'll see what he has to say about the browns current slate at the position group he used to coach there's your teaser well i'm ready let's go so uh, as always go browns, go browns.